What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement, Amron, and today is draft day, and this video being posted today is no coincidence. This is not just a video, but a public service announcement, and the whole idea here is I really want to drill home. Do not make the mistake of overvaluing landing spot in these rookie drafts. Do not push up bad prospects with bad profiles because they land on the Chiefs, Bills, Packers, whatever. So when Christian Watson goes in the second round to the Chiefs or in the first round to the Chiefs or the Packers, I know you're going to start feeling that urge to push him up your board, push him up 12, 14, 15 spots in your rankings. Take a breath. We're going to dive into today why that that is a bad idea. We did that a few years ago with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He goes in the first round to the Chiefs. People pushed him up over Jonathan Taylor. That was a catastrophic mistake for a lot of dynasty teams out there. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I think everybody in the dynasty world makes this mistake of, is the NFL draft, it only happens once a year. We all get really caught up in the hype, but we all just kind of need to zoom out for a second play things a little bit smarter. So we're going to go over sort of the idea behind, in my opinion, that talent wins above everything. I believe that a, a player's prospect profile, if you just bet on good profiles, that will be a winning strategy in the long term, as opposed to just hitching your wagon to players that land on good teams. So we're going to get into that in a second. I think that I, I made a video on this last year and I made a thread, but that was like, we didn't even have a thousand subscribers. Not a lot of people watch that video. So this is kind of a, a revamp of that idea. So with that being said, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, let's go. So as I mentioned earlier, the biggest buzz right now is that late, first area of the Bills, the Buccaneers, Green Bay, Kansas City, even the Cowboys. If any wide receiver goes there, they're going to shoot up rookie draft boards, you know, a full half to full round, even more than that. And I want to get into why I think that that is bad process and why hitching your wagon to a player's landing spot more than a player's actual production profile and his talent himself is a losing bet. And the number one reason for that is that the NFL is ever changing. Like drafting a player that goes to a good landing spot is like buying a beachfront property in California that is like eroding away on the beach and maybe has like six months to go before the foundation starts to collapse. Now, I'm not a real estate guy. I'm not sure if that made sense, but teams change so much that if you buy into a team stock now in like a year, year or two, that team could be completely different. Imagine fading Jerry Judy because he's on the Broncos, Drew Locke is there, he's not great. I want to say they had, not John Fox at the time, but like Vic Fangio, their offensive coordinator was was bad, not a high passing volume offense. Then year three comes around, and right when he's about to start producing, he gets Russell Wilson. So many things are changing in this NBA-type era of the NFL that I think it's so hard to predict any kind of stability in the NFL. Like, the, the NFL at this point, this offseason has been... I think precedent changing where we're now sort of entering into an era of an NBA type reign in the NFL. We've seen since the Super Bowl, we have seen Russell Wilson traded to the Broncos, Devontae Adams to the Raiders, Deshaun Watson to the Browns, Tyree Kill to the Dolphins, Brady retired, then he unretired. Even small moves like Carson Wentz to the Washington football team. We had Matt Ryan go to the Colts. Still have Baker floating around there. Amari Cooper got traded too. Situations are changing all the time in this new NFL. And I think that it's only going to get more and more less stable. These are players who like five, 10 years ago, imagine like 2010 telling Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith that 
not Deshaun Watson, but at that time, imagine like a young Aaron Rodgers or, or Andrew Luck in like his fourth year of his rookie deal gets traded, or Russell Wilson in like the fourth year of his rookie deal gets traded to the Broncos in 2010. No one would have, like, it wouldn't have happened back then. Like, the NFL owners were all scared to trade. They didn't do it as much. This offseason has kind of put that all aside. Everybody is trading with everybody. And if the league is going to get flipped on its head like this every season, right, if all, if all of these moves have happened this offseason, it's only going to get progressively more aggressive, where teams are just going to be completely flip-flopped every single year. Just like in the NBA, James Harden has been on the Rockets, the Thunder, now he went to the Nets, then he went to the Sixers. We saw the same thing with Russell Westbrook, OKC, Rockets, Wizards, Lakers, LeBron, Lakers, Cavs, Heat. It's going to become the norm where players are going to get traded and moved around a lot more. Not everyone's going to be staying on the same team, even just through their rookie contract now, especially with these wide receivers like A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, when that rookie contract is done with these wide receivers and they are going to get all of that money on the open market, teams don't want to extend them, which means that like that just promotes more trading there. So when the league is just changing so rapidly right now and it's only going to get more and more like that in the future, I think it's really tough to hit your wagon to a team that you think is a good offense when we're drafting rookies who in Dynasty, they're not win-now assets. You have probably two to three years before they need to start giving you difference-making top 12 type production. By then, your player is going to be in a completely different situation than what you thought when you drafted him. In terms of real-life examples, we saw this in 2019. Imagine being the guy in your rookie draft who drafts McCole Hardman because he's the speedster, he's on the Chiefs, he's going to be the next Tyreek Hill, and you draft him over guys like DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown, who are on the Seahawks and the Titans, low-passing volume offenses. Seattle already had Tyler Lockett. Tennessee already had Corey Davis. They weren't sexy landing spots. Same thing happened with Paris Campbell. People drafted Paris Campbell over those guys at times because he was going to be tied to Andrew Luck for the next four or five years. Little did we know, Andrew Luck retires. McCole Harvey doesn't produce. D.K. Metcalf produces great with Russell Wilson. A.J. Brown produces great, only plays like five or six games with Marcus Mariota. Corey Davis leaves after a year or two. These situations changed so much even back then when like there wasn't a ton of crazy trades going on. Things things happen, players retire. Like it's it's very difficult to have landing spots hold that much weight in the short term for rookies. Again, rookies, we are holding on to them for like three years. We're hoping that they're good, but by the time that they're going to be a win now type asset and need to produce top 12 numbers again, that's not going to happen until year three, year four. All that you're betting on when you draft a rookie in your rookie draft is that they're going to be good. And if they're good, regardless of the situation, they will win regardless. And this is my biggest gripe with wide receiver evals in Dynasty. It's that everybody wants that lack of competition. They don't want to just bet on a good wide receiver. They want their wide receiver to walk into an empty wide receiver room with a good quarterback, like with the Packers. But I think it's pretty overrated just because a lot of wide receivers don't just walk in on day one and be that number one guy. A lot of guys aren't ready for it. You know, there is kind of that steady progression where you kind of are the second fiddle to a guy, kind of like Juju Smith-Schuster with Antonio Brown, or I'm trying to think CeeDee Lamb with Amari Cooper. It's not really from day one. You don't need to be the wide receiver one for your team. We've seen day one and two wide receivers walk into empty wide receiver rooms with Jalen Rager walking into Philadelphia, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards in Las Vegas, Denzel Mims and on the Jets, Nikhil Harry on the Patriots. They all walked into wide open wide receiver rooms as rookies and did absolutely nothing. On the other hand, we've seen Jamar Chase have a top five season next to T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. We've seen Justin Jefferson smash as a rookie on a run-first offense next to Thielen. We've seen CeeDee Lamb smash on an offense next to Amari Cooper. We don't need to clear the runway for these wide receivers to succeed. There are three to four pass catchers on the field at a time. Your wide receiver 
if he's good, he'll get on the field. And if he gets on the field, he'll demand targets regardless of who is on the field. I cannot stress that enough. You do not need them to have a pathway to top five production in year one. Like with CeeDee Lamb, if you faded him because Amari Cooper was there, Amari Cooper's gone now. A lot of these wide receivers that are in the in the wide receiver room that are crowding things for rookies will eventually leave by the time that they blossom in to that top 12 wide receiver. This also leads me to coaching tendencies, which I think are also pretty dumb to put a bunch of stock into of, oh, this this coach, he mass produces wide receiver. He is a, a running back guru, or this coach doesn't run the ball at all. He doesn't pass the ball at all. He doesn't feature his, his wide receiver one. I think it's really tough to put any stock into coaching tendencies when coaches change around a ton. And on top of that, teams' tendencies aren't sticky year to year, right? So so fading a wide receiver in rookie drafts because the team has run first, like let's say a wide receiver goes to the Eagles or a wide receiver goes to the Patriots or the Titans, I think that that would be a decent knock on their rookie draft ADP. I think that's a little bit overstated. Passing tendencies year to year aren't sticky at all. This is a chart from Michael Nelson. His at is a Nelly Lytics on Twitter. And this shows year over year pass attempts per game. And you could see like the data literally couldn't be any more noisy. Like there is no continuation year to year with any of these teams. The pass attempts are all over the place. So if pass attempts per game aren't sticky year to year, I think it's wrong to project an offense to be low pass volume, high pass volume, whatever you want to call it, three four, five years out into the future, even one year into the future. It's impossible to predict these things. They are always constantly bouncing. OCs are getting hired and fired. They're bouncing around. Coaches are bouncing around. We saw Mike McDaniel get hired. We saw Nathaniel Hackett in, in uh, Denver. I think the, the, the crazy part is if a player goes to a bad situation with a bad coach, if the coach is truly bad, he will just eventually get fired. And then the, the situation will just correct itself. And if you're good, you'll win out that way. Again, I think we overestimate how stable the NFL is. Coaches are, are leaving and going and retiring all the time. Like we just had Bruce Arians retire. There's a million factors going on in the NFL. And I also hate the, the narrative of like, like I touched on it earlier, but coaches produce RB1s or this coach doesn't feature their wide receiver too. I've heard that about Andy Reid. Good players produce. Last year, the Patriots' leading touchdown wide receiver was Kendrick Bourne. He had 55 catches, 800 yards, and five touchdowns. That was under Belichick in 2021. In 2007, Bill Belichick had a guy named Randy Moss. 98 catches, 1,493 yards, 23 touchdowns. Just because Bill Belichick has wide receiver ones in his history in terms of fantasy doesn't mean every single year he's going to turn that out. We saw the same exact thing when, what's his name left? When, when Rob Gronkowski left and then we thought, oh, Dalton Keene or Hunter Henry or John U. Smith. I've, I saw all those takes where, oh, they're going to fit into the Rob Gronkowski or Aaron Hernandez role. That's not how it works. Good coaches, they don't just have, like the, the good coaches that stay in the league long enough, you'll see that with a guy like Bill Belichick or a guy like Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh changed the entire offense to Lamar Jackson. Remember, he had Joe Flacco before that. Then Lamar Jackson comes in, he changes the entire thing. Good coaches don't just push a dated scheme on their players. They maneuver things and they, and they kind of maneuver their scheme to their players' strengths. So the good players will get on the field and they'll produce in those situations. I cannot stress enough, talent drives all things in the NFL. And another fun one too is Andy Reid RB1 theory. And I've been a victim of this as well, but this is a great screenshot from Ian Harditz showing the point-per-game rank of all Andy Reid RB1s. We saw him use Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt in very top five upside fantasy type roles. And we as a community decided that CEH gets drafted in the first round. He is the next coming of that. I and mean, as we know, he's yet to give us a top 12 finish. And 
a lot of people overdrafted him over guys like Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift in that draft class. Again, the NFL changes rapidly on all levels, coaches, players, tendencies. So valuing a player significantly lower or higher based on his outside factors, I think it's very noisy. I think it's a bad, it's a bad process from the root of everything. We should just be asking ourselves, is this guy talented? Now, I'm not saying landing spot altogether does not matter because landing spot is, I guess it, it, it's a function of draft capital and the team that you land on. I do not care about the team that you land on, but draft capital is the biggest thing that I care about. It is a massive indicator of talent. Good players get drafted earlier. That is just the facts. Then when we look at, you know, the team a player gets drafted to, that is landing spot. Draft capital, I have as completely separate from landing spot. If you just think about landing spot on its own, a team that a player gets drafted to, that is way further down on my totem poles of things that matter for rookies in Dynasty. Again, draft capital, it's my biggest input in all of my models. The R squared of draft capital across like quarterback, running back, wide receiver, it's roughly about like 0.4. That number is just zero through one. R squared is how how much does it correlate from that, that metric to a player's points per game in their first three years. 0.4 R squared is really strong. Now, I don't have a landing spot metric or any way to test this, but I know a guy on Twitter, Jetpack Galileo, we don't always get along me and him kind of have had back and forth but i respect him he has a, a film-based process and he's very serious about what he does now he has his own landing spot grades that he made and i'm going to put the the screenshot up here and i'm not saying that these are are bad but they have a 0.171 r squared to wide receiver points per game again draft capital has like 0.4 we're talking about something that is like three to four times as strong in terms of predicting things 0.171 r squared isn't even to say that jetpack's jetpack galileo's you know stat is bad or anything i just think that there's not a lot to gain from landing spot so for me a 0.171 r squared type input so let's say i was to take this landing spot grade and try and put it into one of the rs grade models if film is about 45 percent of my rs grades production is about 45 percent, so that's 90 percent. i would put it in that miscellaneous area of you have film you have production then you have that miscellaneous stuff like athleticism age early declare all that stuff. I think landing spot fits in that category. I think that it would mix in in that tier, probably around the 2% range in the model. Again, we're talking about something that is a 2% input versus draft capital, which is like a 25% input in this model. Can I stress this enough? Draft capital matters tenfold as much as landing spot. Now, just to really drive this home, I know it's been talked about mainly wide receivers and some running backs, but we've seen this with quarterbacks too. I've seen a lot of talk of like, oh, um Malik Willis if he goes to the the Detroit Lions he's done Deshaun Watson thrived on a Texans team coached by Bill O'Brien we saw Justin Herbert on an Anthony Lynn led 5 and 11 team going into his rookie year we saw Kyler getting drafted to a 3 and 13 Cardinals team good quarterbacks if they are good they're going to win regardless and I cannot just that enough fellas talent wins above everything so when guys like Chris Olave Jahan Dotson guys who are already projected in our minds in ADP to be first round picks you don't want to double count them and give them a massive boost for going first round to the Chiefs, right? That's almost double counting in a way. I use landing spot for me personally. It's a tiebreaker with draft capital being the main driver of all things for these rookies. So if I have two guys that are similarly graded and one of them's on like the Bears and one of them's on the Chiefs, fine, I'll push the Chiefs guy ahead. But to vault a guy a tier from landing spot, I think is bad process. 
Now, I will say, let's say a guy like Sky Moore or Christian Watson, guys we expect to go in the second round, or even if somebody crazy like a Jalen Talbert or John Mechie go into the first round, you can vault those guys because we're we're really changing their outlook by giving them by going from second round to first round draft capital. So if a guy outshoots his expected draft capital, regardless of landing spot, that's a thing that you should be giving him a tier boost for. So just to drive all of this home, if Drake London or Traylon Burks go in the first round, they go to a less than ideal spot, whether that's the Jets, the Washington football team, the Patriots, Philly, low volume offenses, I will not budge. They will still be top three wide receivers for me. I do not care if Jamison Williams goes to the Chiefs and Drake London goes to the Jets, Washington. I don't care if he falls to like the Titans or the Patriots in the first round. I will have Drake London, Traylon Burks over Jamison Williams, as long as they all have first round draft capital. On the other side, if Jahan Dotson or Chris Olave go in the first round to the Packers or Chiefs, I will not irrationally push them up my board. They probably won't really even get nudged up too much. In fact, I probably prefer that Jahan Dotson, Olave, um, I'm trying to think of the other guys that I don't really love. Jahan Dotson, Chris Olave, even a guy like um, Christian Watson, any of those guys, I would love to see them get pushed up to the first round and get drafted by the Chiefs. So idiots in our rookie drafts just like push them up at like imagine drafting like Jahan Dotson at the 106 because he goes to the Chiefs sure have that I will take my trail on Burks like the 107 108 so that's my opinion on the topic I truly think that you know the whole idea of I need my guy to go to a certain coaching situation or I need a, a certain blocking scheme or whatever the NFL is such a it's such a carousel man that especially now with coaches getting hired and fired and players getting traded like it's the NBA. I think putting a lot of stock into landing spot is bad process. So that's all we have for today. Don't really have anything to tie a bow on this topic, but just wanted to kind of rant and sort of vent about that topic. Because I think a lot of people, you're going to see a lot of analysis today of this player gets drafted here. Oh man, I really don't like him. You should, your wide receiver one, if he goes to a bad landing spot, but still has first round draft capital, he should not end up as like your wide receiver five after draft day. Just bad process. I think you're going to see a lot of that on Twitter, on YouTube. So stay on the lookout for that. I personally will be factoring in draft capital a ton, right? If, if a player that I really like overshoots his draft capital projections or undershoots it, Traylon Burks goes third round instead of first round, that's a big deal. But if Traylon Burks goes to the Titans out of the Chiefs, not a big deal. Now, with that being said, I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing for the NFL draft. I'm not sure if I'm going to be streaming it here, if I'm going to be streaming on the Fantasy Stock Exchange channel, if I'm going to be just hanging out with my buddies and just watching the drafts with like my degenerate Jets fans, friends. But with that being said, as always, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Channel, on, foolies glad I'm home. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my vagabond. Rap a song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Me.